Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. He's had shootings, stabbings, rapes, and no one, no one hears about it. The tent city in Oppenheimer Park has neighbors fed up and frightened, who some are now blaming. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news out of the Fraser Valley, where there has been an officer-involved shooting. A man is dead, and his family is seeking answers about what happened. Jordan Armstrong is following the story and joins us live with more. Jordan. Colleen, the province's police watchdog and the coroner have been called to the scene. Relatives say the man who died was 54 years old. The home is on Colmore Street at 124th Avenue. Official details right now are slim, but witnesses say... Early this afternoon, RCMP officers entered the home to deal with a man who had apparent mental health issues. There's no word yet what happened that resulted in at least one officer opening fire. We have reached out to the Independent Investigations Office for information. A distraught family member of the man is speaking out tonight. Here's what his sister had to say just a short time ago. They are blocking my house and I am not allowed to see my dead brother, you know. <laughs> he, he is not a criminal, you know, he is a good brother. He often calls police himself. Sometimes he called Daya 911, I am not feeling well, I want to go to hospital. Police came, he go with the police. He is a peaceful man, but today he is a little bit confused, you know. She adds the family moved to Canada from Myanmar 29 years ago. Clearly a terrible situation for everyone involved. A neighbor says he heard two gunshots and saw a Mountie sobbing in the backyard. Again, neither Ridge Meadows RCMP nor the IIO have given an official version of what happened here. We'll bring you more information as we get it. Colleen. Jordan, thank you. And we have more breaking news, this time in West Vancouver, where emergency officials are dealing with what appears to be a fatal traffic accident. Late this afternoon, not far from the ferry terminal, witnesses say it appears a van carrying French tourists rolled over. A young woman in the van was killed. Horseshoe Bay Drive has been closed in both directions between Marine Drive and Highway 1. Police say the road will likely remain closed for several more hours while they investigate. No word on exactly what happened, but West Vancouver police are describing it as a very serious incident. Now to Squamish, where a wedding and other events at the popular B.C. tourist attraction are being cancelled and the region is bracing for what could be an extended closure of one of its biggest revenue generators. This, as RCMP were back at the Sea to Sky gondola today investigating an alleged act of vandalism that's closed the attraction. Grace Key has more. RCMP emergency teams are assisting in securing the Sea to Sky gondola as they continue to search for the person responsible for cutting the cables. It's technical work with investigators working with industry experts covering a large geographic area in difficult terrain. 
today we've brought in experts to more closely um, examine and assist us with getting into some of the more difficult terrain. So if you think of uh, rock climbing and uh, rope techniques, that's where our emergency response team is able to assist us. It's believed someone cut the cable at around 4 o'clock Saturday morning, sending almost all of the 30 gondola cars crashing to the ground. The popular tourist destination had a wedding planned that day at the summit. The couple was able to secure a last-minute venue. Another 10 or more weddings had to be cancelled this month as well as other events. There's people out there counting on us um, and uh, we'll be doing our very best to minimize the implications of a shutdown, minimize the duration of it to the extent that we possibly can and get open with great vibrancy when we move forward into what we know will be a very bright future. The Sea to Sky Gondola got international attention when it opened and helped put Squamish on the map, attracting more tourists to the community. It is one of those things that encourages people to stay overnight, so we don't have numbers yet, but we imagine there'll be some impact to our restaurants and uh, accommodations, but it's a bit too early to tell. Operators say they should have a better idea sometime this week when they could be back up and running. But I will say this, we will fix this place. We will make it even better than before, and we will reopen. Grace Key, Global News. The RCMP have confirmed to Global News they will be making an announcement tomorrow in regards to a nationwide murder investigation. Meanwhile, the father of accused killer Briar Schmigelski has issued an apology of sorts to the victim's families. He's speaking out in an exclusive interview with Australia's 60 Minutes. But as Kristen Robinson reports, Alan Schmigelski says he's also still not convinced his son was responsible for three northern B.C. murders. It hurts a lot. He was my only child. I never get a hug him again. Briar Schmigelski's father, Alan, telling 60 Minutes Australia he's mourning the loss of his son. I wanted my son to be someone amazing. I wanted my son to have a future. Instead, 18-year-old Briar Schmigelski became a murder suspect. He and 19-year-old Cam McLeod accused in three homicides in northern B.C., before RCMP discovered two bodies in Gillam, Manitoba, believed to be the pair of childhood friends from Port Alberni. I'm not going to say my son is a murderer until I get some facts. The younger Schmigelski and McLeod wanted for nearly two weeks, all of Canada on edge, as police hunted the alleged killers of Australian Lucas Fowler, his American girlfriend China Deese, and Leonard Dick, a botanist and UBC lecturer, all found dead the week of July 15th. Schmigelski admits he bought an airsoft rifle for his son when he was 17, but dismisses any suggestion it might have planted a seed. I'm not going to say, you know, it's my fault. But he does apologize to the families of the murder victims. I just, I, I'm so sorry for what's happened. It should have come sooner, Deese's sister says in a Facebook post, but we still forgive you and have mercy. Autopsy results pending on the bodies recovered from dense brush in northern Manitoba. But experts say the why will take time. I think you're going to have to use some behavioral psychologists, uh, some sociologists, some criminologists to assist in to determine what the motive may have been. At least I know where he is. Okay. His troubles are over. I am so sad that he felt that he had to take this road trip. A road trip that saw three alleged murders and a nationwide manhunt 
ending with two suspects presumed dead and many unanswered questions. Kristen Robinson, Global News. RCMP are looking for witnesses to a deadly collision near Lillooet. A vehicle went off Highway 99 just before midnight Friday and ended up in the Seton Lake, B.C. Hydro Canal. The driver died. Witnesses say the vehicle lost control on a curve, veered off the road, then went into the canal. Three passengers survived. RCMP are also appealing for witnesses to a fatal motorcycle crash on Highway 1 in Kamloops late Friday. A motorcycle struck a deer near the Lafarge Road exit, sending the rider into the path of oncoming traffic. RCMP believe the rider was then struck by one or more vehicles. Police say whoever hit the driver may not have realized they'd done so. Anyone who may have witnessed the accident is asked to contact police. People who live in one of Vancouver's lowest income neighborhoods are speaking out tonight over the growing tent city that's taken over their only major park. The city has been working to find permanent housing for the campers. But as Tanya Beja reports, Oppenheimer Park's neighbors say the situation there has left them feeling unsafe. We got a park right here, which is in the middle of everything, and we can't go no more. The sidewalk is now where Gladys Lee meets her neighbors. She used to volunteer at Oppenheimer Park and visit with friends there daily, but no more. I feel lost. I feel I have nowhere to go now. It really hurts my heart. More than 100 people now live in tents here. Safety concerns prompting the city to pull staff and programs from the park. Well, the staff are, the staff are afraid to come down there. Residents of nearby social housing say they've lost their only accessible green space. I want my park back. It's unsafe to go down there. I go down there, all I'm offered is drugs and booze and, you know, bicycles. This wouldn't happen in Carisdale, so why is it okay to happen in the downtown east side? We need housing. That's what we need. People need houses. This is not okay. People camping in the park say housing is all they want. We're after a, a small, little, tiny, one-room apartment so we can have a normal life like all you other people. The city says it's working on solutions but needs help from the provincial and federal governments. Downtown east side residents wonder if there is any political will. Make a few politicians live in there and see how long that tent city stays here. They could maybe move to City Hall. I hear there's lots of grass space. That would be great. Then he would get off his rump and do something about this. The mayor's not ignoring this situation. I think he's just, we're all at a loss of immediate solutions because Say we were to try and remove people from the park, where would we put them? That's the question, right? Or where, where would they go? A question nobody yet seems able to answer. Tanya Beja, Global News. A collective sigh of relief for residents and tourists who've been dealing with a major wildfire in the South Okanagan for the past week. All evacuation alerts impacting more than 250 properties have been lifted. Shelby Tom has more on the successful firefight. Life is returning to normal in the South Okanagan after residents and tourists got the news they were waiting for. We made the recommendation uh, to the regional district as well as Okan OSOA's Indian Band that we um, 
that they could uh, lift the alert. After living under a shadow of uncertainty for six days, all evacuation alerts prompted by the Eagle Bluff wildfire were rescinded on Sunday afternoon. That's including the Okanagan Correctional Center and homes on the Asuyus Indian Band Reserve. The handful of residents that were under the uh, that were directly in the line of fire, it's a huge relief. The whole town's feeling a bit of relief. Acting Mayor Amy Grice praising the efforts of wildland firefighters as well as municipal firefighters who descended on Oliver from across the BC interior. It's a bit of a scary time when these things happen, so just to see the surrounding communities come in, uh, the, the structure protection team is here as well, making sure that our homes and infrastructure are safe, and that's really important. The fire service crediting the success of controlled ignitions to secure the west and south flanks, as well as bringing the fire down from the high slopes to control lines. The rain uh, just sort of just helped in the last little bit, but otherwise the actual ignition operations secured about 10 and a half kilometers of actually fire's edge down to a control area. So it was uh, quite successful over the last week. The cooler temperature is also alleviating the threat. A smoky skies advisory remains in place, but the haze has dissipated. The smoke for the most part has stayed, it seems, directly over the fire or more towards the east. With the Okanagan no stranger to wildfires, local municipalities and First Nations using this experience to prepare for future threats. We still have a lot to learn about how to prepare for this. Shelby Tom, Global News. An NHL star is doing his bit to help those impacted by BC wildfires. Nashville Predators center Ryan Johansson has hosted a fundraiser for the Red Cross at Parkside Brewery in his hometown of Port Moody. It's the third year for the event. He was joined by Nashville teammate Colton Sissons and a number of other players. Johansson was has a uh, collection with the BC connection rather with the BC interior where the fires are having played hockey in Penticton. I think everyone here in the lower mainland spends a lot of time up in the interior and uh, especially during summer times and uh, getting out on the lakes and vacations and whatnot and and just with some of the recent years and uh, the trouble they've had handling these fires. And to a different problem now. The central Kootenai region is issued has issued an evacuation alert near Nelson due to a debris flood. Highway 3A and other roads 14 kilometers north of Nelson are affected. About 30 properties in the Morley Creek area between Sitcom Creek and Kokanee Creek are on evacuation alert. The regional district says it's a precaution due to the risk of more debris movement. People living in the area must be ready to leave at a moment's notice. Well, another motorist has been caught on camera taking the wrong path. Have a look. <laughs> yeah, not cool. Josh Lowen was at Sunset Beach Friday afternoon when he spotted the driver of white sedan cruising down the bike path. And the seawall walking path in the next lane was full of pedestrians at the time. Although it seems hard to believe, park users say the entrances to the bike path are wide and not well marked. Vancouver police say they are looking into the incident and will be sharing the video with the traffic section. Car to go users in Vancouver could be paying more next month. The smart car rentals currently cost 32 cents per minute or $13 an hour based on 200 kilometers of mileage. Starting September 9th, the car sharing company is moving to a demand based pricing. The minute rate and package pricing will vary depending on the time, location, and the day. 
The mileage included will also be reduced in most trip packages. For example, a 32 cent per minute ride could cost as much as 42 cents, while hourly rates will jump between 14 and 18 dollars based on 60 kilometers of mileage. Cool temperatures provided the perfect conditions for a big bike ride on the North Shore today. Have a look. Three, two, one. There they go. The 12th annual Cypress Challenge kicked off this morning. Hundreds of cyclists gearing up the difficult switchback road to the top of Cypress Mountain. The event raises funds for pancreatic cancer research. Over the last decade, participants have raised more than $2.9 million. Good for them. A large fire lit up the sky in an industrial area of Surrey last night. The fire broke out in the junkyard at Ken's Auto Recyclers on Scott Road near Old Yale Road. Smoke could be seen for several kilometers. Fire crews were called at around 9.30 and had it under control within a couple of hours. A neighbor reported seeing someone standing on top of a pile of burning cars, but a search by firefighters failed to find anyone. The cause of the fire is still unknown. He came to Vancouver from Sudan as a refugee, trying to build a better life. But on Canada Day, fire destroyed his family's home, consuming everything they owned. As Julia Foy reports, strangers have stepped up to help, and now a grateful family wants to say thanks. The Lamadec children are full of smiles as they play with their cousins in a room full of toys in their temporary home. The kindness of strangers has helped the family through a difficult month. This absolutely hope that we're we are picking up, we're getting there. Oh, On Canada Day, the Lomaduck's townhouse went up in flames and the family barely escaped. And then I started smelling smoke. So then I went downstairs to check the garage and then flames are everywhere on the left side of the garage. My son was yelling, fire in the garage, fire, fire, mom, bup. The fire caused severe damage to the home and unfortunately the family didn't have insurance for their possessions. So they had nothing but the clothes on their back. We know we lost everything. Mom Betty is due to deliver her third child in a few weeks and she was stressed out about how she could welcome the baby home. <laughs> but since then, the family has found a basement suite to rent and the public has generously donated furniture, housewares and even baby supplies. People responded, you know, I really felt so amazing what community we are in today. Back at the fire scene, there's still lots of work to be done before the family can return. Jackson is working 16-hour days to try and keep the family afloat. But the Lomadacs want to thank everyone for helping them through this difficult time. At this moment, we're so happy and we thank so much for the generosity that... Uh, the community has sown us. Thank you for Julia Foy, Global News. An update on a story we brought you last night. Between 80 and 100 people remain out of their homes after a massive condo fire in Chilliwack. At around midnight Friday night, likely on a balcony, then spread to the attic space of the building in the 45,000 block of Steveston Road. All 60 units were evacuated and the residents could be out for some time. For now, we're in a hotel. Um, we have nowhere else to go. Um, especially with accessibility, it's going to be a really huge problem. So we're just taking it one day at a time right now. I don't even, I don't even have answers.
Yeah, my son lived here. He moved in in June. He's saved up his whole life. First place he gets, and like a month and a half later, and it's destroyed. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't get content insurance right away because he spent all his money moving in, and so, you know. The fire, believed to be accidental, damaged the complex's top floor and roof. The lower floors were damaged by water. The Chilliwack Fire Department says only one family has been forced to spend another night in hotel. All other residents have managed to find other accommodations with friends or family. A 12-year-old girl and her family are asking Air Canada why she was forced to take off her hijab at a California airport. Fatima Abdulrahman was traveling from San Francisco with her squash team to a tournament in Toronto. The teen says after getting through security, a male employee stopped her at the gate and told her to remove her headscarf for an ID check. Then a female employee took her into a corner to remove her scarf. The teen was able to board her flight and rejoin her teammates on the plane, but she told her family what had happened. He said, you're going to need to take that off. He just pointed at it. And I was confused at first. I was like, what? And he said, that. And I said, oh, I can't. And he said, no, you, you have to. Whether they're 12, whether they're older, it doesn't matter. I just, we don't want to see it happen again. Air Canada apologized on Twitter for the incident. Activists are occupying the Hong Kong airport for a third day in a row. <laughs> Yeah, the protest is the latest challenge to the government's apparent strategy of waiting out the ongoing political crisis. Protesters are also demanding greater democracy and the resignation of the city's chief executive, Carrie Lam. Hong Kong's airport is one of the busiest in the world. The airport authority has deployed additional security to minimize flight disruptions. In Russia, hundreds of opposition supporters have been detained during demonstrations. Tens of thousands of protesters marched in Moscow, despite a huge government crackdown and a large police presence. Hundreds of political activists were detained in this, the fourth anti-government demonstration in a month. Protesters are calling for opposition candidates forced off the ballot to be allowed to run in a civic election in September. Israeli police and Palestinians have clashed again, this time outside a holy site in Jerusalem. The confrontations happened outside the Alaska, Alaska Mosque, where the tens of thousands of Muslim worshippers gathered for the Eid al-Hadha holiday. At least 14 people were injured. Israel, Israeli police claimed that worshippers started throwing stones and chairs at the entrance to the site. The area is one of the most sensitive sites in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Muslims refer to it as the Noble Sanctuary, while Jews refer to it as the Temple Mount. Meanwhile, Muslims from around the world hurled pebbles at a giant wall in the symbolic stoning of the devil today, the start of the riskiest part of the annual Hajj pilgrimage in Saudi Arabia, where hundreds died in a crush four years ago. Nearly two and a half million pilgrims, mostly from abroad, have arrived for the five-day pilgrimage, a once-in-a-lifetime religious duty for every able-bodied Muslim who can afford it. In southern India, more than 140 people have been killed in monsoon floods and mudslides. Hundreds of thousands have been displaced after days of torrential rain. South Asia has been devastated by rain-related disasters. 160 people were killed last month in northeastern India, Nepal and Bangladesh. No. 
Well, first Amsterdam, then a rare tornado ripped through communities in Luxembourg. Debris flew through the air, damaging cars and buildings. The tornado injured 19 people, two of them seriously. Local media reported the destruction left up to 100 homes uninhabitable. Tornadoes are very rare in Europe. A wildfire rages on one of Spain's Canary Islands with more than a thousand residents evacuated. The fire is about 32 kilometers from Las Palmas and has spread towards a national park in the popular tourist destination. Authorities believe the fire was started with a soldering iron. A 55-year-old man was arrested on Saturday. The man with the world's biggest megaphone spreading a conspiracy theory about the death of a convicted criminal and links to the Clintons. We're going to have that story for you right after we get the forecast from Yvonne. And Yvonne, we saw a little bit of rain today. Yeah, it was wet out there, depending on where you were across Metro Vancouver. Gray over the weekend, and we were seeing cooler temperatures. It is going to improve, especially as we get in towards next week. And I'll show you some of those numbers, and when we'll start to track a change on the way. This evening, so still cloud cover, a chance of showers. It'll be very isolated if you do see any moisture, and very light across the south coast. But we do still have some active weather in the interior. Our tower cam shot showing us that wet weather. Temperatures out of the airport sitting at 20 degrees. A Southeasterly wind at 15 kilometers per hour, and that was our high today across the south coast for many areas. We can see it into the low 20s for areas near Surrey and White Rock, and for the interior today, it was a touch cooler. Lytton only getting up to 21 degrees in areas near Bella Coola, topping out at 23. We've been tracking thunderstorms over the weekend. These were some great photos that were sent in. Maxine sent in this shot from Oliver, and Emily sent in this shot of the thunderstorms that rolled through a Soyuz yesterday. So thank you so much for those great photos. A glance at the active weather, especially across the central interior, still seeing a line of thunderstorms and it's wet weather right across the southern interior. And we'll still see one more day of instability, especially along the Colombian Kootenai for tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, cloud cover for Metro Vancouver, a chance of showers. Breaks will start to kick up by the afternoon, but by the afternoon, the instability is along the interior. And we are still looking at a few isolated thunderstorms and then clearing out across the province on Tuesday. Fire danger rating. It has improved for a few spots, but we are tracking it, especially for tomorrow when we do see some thunderstorms rolling into the interior. The piece up to 19 degrees, morning fog patches, afternoon sunshine, pleasant for Whitehorse over the next three days with dry conditions and temperatures into the low 20s. Areas along the north coast will still see more cloud cover for the morning. It does brighten up by the afternoon and leading into Tuesday. Caribou and central interior highs up to 20 degrees, 24 on Wednesday, really starting to warm up for the interior, feeling summer-like again. Columbia and Kootenai, especially for the Columbia tomorrow, so we'll be seeing the chance of showers, risk of thunderstorms, and the tops in Okanagan will see more cloud cover for the morning, a few isolated showers, and then sunshine by the afternoon, heating up Tuesday, Wednesday with highs up to 27. Whistler up to 20 degrees tomorrow. Chance for some showers will just be for the morning, drier come the afternoon and evening. And across the island, northern and central areas will also be seeing showers or more cloud cover for the morning hours, breaks for the afternoon, Temperatures are going to start to bump up tomorrow up to 22 degrees. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, summer-like, sunny, dry, areas away from the water, Colleen, warming up with highs up to 26 and 27. Lovely. Thanks so much, Yvonne. His death is being investigated as an in-custody suicide, but the many unanswered questions about just how Jeffrey Epstein died are fueling conspiracy theories online and
standoff. One of the people spreading unsubstantiated claims, U.S. President Donald Trump. Jeffrey Epstein's apparent suicide in a Manhattan cell now provoking conspiracy theories, and President Trump is joining in. The president retweeting a theory without evidence that implicates the Clintons in Epstein's death. Democrats hitting back. This is um, another example of our president using this position of public trust to attack his political enemies with unfounded conspiracy theories. Epstein had ties to both the Clintons and President Trump and many other powerful and wealthy men. The president just wants everything to be investigated. And, you know, trying to connect the president to this monster from years ago where they're seen dancing in a video versus other people who were actively, I suppose, flying around with this monster um, on his island. Uh, which was known as Pedophilia Island. The FBI and Inspector General have now launched investigations. Attorney General William Barr writing, Mr. Epstein's death raises serious questions that must be answered. Epstein had been on suicide watch, but taken off in late July. The wealthy financier was charged July 6 with orchestrating a sex trafficking ring and sexually abusing dozens of underage girls at his New York and Florida homes. I really wanted justice. I really wanted him to take up for what he did and to be put in jail or prison. Prosecutors say they will now focus on Epstein's associates, who he allegedly invited into his homes to have sex with underage girls. Jennifer Johnson, NBC News, Washington. A Chinese surveillance camera happened to spot a rather unusual sight this weekend. An ostrich was captured running through the traffic-filled streets in southwestern China. Yeah, it was apparently um, being kept at a local home, but escaped after some visitors arrived. The fastest bird in the land ran through the city, although no one seemed too surprised by it. The ostrich is now safely back home. That <laughs> people didn't even rubberneck. Yeah. yeah, it's an ostrich. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Ostriches always look like they're they're late for something, don't yeah. they? They're always like <laughs> in a hurry. Got to get there. Where's the airport? <laughs> something like that. What you got? Uh, I got a lot today, and a great story from oh. Canadian tennis, of course, with uh, Bianca Andreescu taking on Serena Williams. They they couldn't have asked for a better final. Unfortunately, it only lasted 18 minutes. My thought going in is, I hope Bianca's body holds up because this is their sixth straight day playing oh. on center court. A lot of games in the in the heat in uh, August, but it was uh, Serena who uh, kind of broke down physically, so still a win's a win, and uh, we'll take it. so much uh, promise for Bianca if she can stay healthy, because when she's on, she's never lost uh, this year to a top 10 player, and she's won 17 in a row, and she hasn't had to pull out with injuries. She's won 17 straight, which is, amazing. you know, Steffi Graf, Serena kind yeah. of numbers. Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. All right, Barry, just ahead of your sportscast, mm -hmm. we want to show you this, uh, this race. The, the winner of Sydney, Australia's annual City to Surface race was just second shy of breaking a record. <laughs> My goodness, more than 80,000 people took part in this 14K trek. Runner Harry Summers crossed the finish line just two seconds short of a previous record. This is Summers' third time winning the race. Summers, this seems to be his time. It, you, know? Oh. you know what I'm saying? Nah, nah. <laughs> now in Australia, they, they, go, the, they, they go the opposite They go way. the opposite yeah. way, right, of course. Yeah. All right, well, we got some tennis. <laughs>
Let's just move on. Let's, Let's just move on. on. Thanks, Colleen. Organizers uh, couldn't have asked for a better marquee matchup in the championship final at the Rogers Cup in Toronto. Hometown girl and budding superstar Bianca Andreescu taking on the greatest of them all, Serena Williams. It ended well for Canadian tennis fans with Andreescu hoisting the trophy. But she didn't have to work too hard for it, just 18 minutes after Serena was forced to pull out with a back injury. Bianca entering the stadium like a rock star, like she has all week. First career meeting against Serena, who's 18 years older at 37. First set, Serena held in the opening game. Andriesco showing off that drop shot, one of her great weapons. She can do it all. Williams looked off her game, didn't really look right uh, from the get-go, not moving that well. You can tell when you have a sore back, the feet don't go where you want. She's usually pretty money on these overheads, but never really got to it and blows it, smashes it into the net. Bianca, obviously the uh, strategy was to pepper Serena's forehand early and it pays off. As uh, Williams made a number of errors off the forehand side, this one led to a service break, so Bianca goes up 2-1. And more from Bianca from the baseline. Forehand clean winner to the corner. She would hold to go up 3-1, and then Serena just takes a seat. Obviously upset, breaks down in tears, says she cannot continue because of back spasms. And Rescue comes over, consoles Serena, they have a good talk. That's a great scene. After just 18 minutes, Serena has to retire. So it's a win for Andrescu, a little anticlimactic, but it's still historic. First Canadian to win the Rogers Cup in singles. Second WTA title of the year for Andrescu, who's now up to 14 in the world rankings. I am speechless right now. I'm the first Canadian who got to the finals and has won this tournament since 1969. This has been a dream come true, really. This week has not been easy. I've had many, many tough matches, and especially what I've been through the last two months have not been easy, but I kept telling myself, never give up. I try to look at that as a setback, but more of a challenge, so I try to embrace it as much as I can, and I'm trying not to take advantage at all when I'm on the court, so I'm just truly, truly blessed right now. I'm officially a fan. She definitely doesn't seem like a 19-year-old, and her words on court, and um, her game, her attitude, her actions. Meanwhile, the men were in Montreal, top seed Rafa Nadal and eight seed Russian Daniel Medvedev in the final. Rafa, 10 years older than Medvedev, but he was in top form. Didn't have to play a semifinal because Gail Monfils had to forfeit with injury. So Rafa was fresh and he was stinging the ball early. Huge pass there to get the point. And then on set point, another fantastic shot, putting on a show for the tennis fans in Montreal. 6-3, Rafa takes the first set. And then he rolled the young Russian in the second set, just crushing the ball. Rafa wins his second straight Rogers Cup quickly. 6-3-6 love remains second in the world rankings behind Novak Djokovic. Both will be in the field in Cincinnati next week. The U.S. Open final major of the year starts in just two weeks in New York. 
The Lions do lead the CFL in one category, turning sure wins into epic collapses that end in heartbreaking losses. Somehow, the Lions managed to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory last night in Hamilton, blowing a 15-point fourth-quarter lead to drop to 1-7 and seven and pretty much dash their playoff hopes, even though we haven't even reached the midway point of the season. This was the key play of the game. It was a disaster on many levels. Lions in scoring position, but the high snap, not only did the Lions lose a ton of yards to take them out of field goal range, but Mike Riley twisted his ankle badly. He did return, but on the limp, his status for next week not uh, known yet. Meanwhile, Ty Cats with a minute to go. Dane Evans to Brandon Banks for his second touchdown of the game. 35-34 tie Cats, but the Lions still had time to come back, and Riley looked good here, throwing a strike to Brian Burnham, who had seven catches, 149 yards, and two touchdowns on the night. But on the next play, Riley's pass tipped and then picked off, and it's more heartbreak for the Lions. One and seven, last in the West, eight points out of a playoff spot, and absolutely wondering how they let another one slip away. Welcome back. The Whitecaps are in full rebuild mode as, as they uh, play out the last couple months of their MLS schedule. They are looking for positive signs for the future. And even though they lost 3-1 last night in Portland, one of their young players showed some skill that has to excite the Whitecaps and their fans. Timbers beginning a 10-game home stand, had a road-heavy schedule to start while they renovated their stadium. Max Cripo called upon to make some saves early. Nice one there. Ali Adnan bravely heading away the second chance keeps it scoreless but eight minutes later Portland would strike as it's uh, Sebastian Blanco with time and space firing a rocket past Crepeau 1-0 Portland in front but the Whitecaps answer and off the corner 19-year-old Canadian Theo Bear with his first ever goal and this is one he will obviously remember but that's fantastic the kids just 19 future national teamer for sure, 1-1 at the half. But in the second half, more from Portland. Another long-range strike beats Cripeau. Marvin Loria, 2-1 Timbers. And later on, Timbers on the attack. Jeremy Ababisi will finish. 3-1 Portland win. Whitecaps are home next Saturday versus D.C. United. Vancouver just two road wins so far this year. Speaking of D.C. United, they were in action tonight hosting the Galaxy. Former Whitecap Felipe making his D.C. debut, traded earlier this week. Wayne Rooney, though, did not play with a respiratory infection. Zlatan Ibrahimovic in the lineup for L.A., but it's D.C. who opened the scoring. Paul Ariola showing some quality here, gives D.C. the 1-0 lead at the half, but early in the second, just a couple minutes in, the Galaxy equalize Fabio Alvarez with a little help from Zlatan, ties it up 1-1, but D.C. respond. All sorts of point-blank chances here, two huge saves, but finally Lucas Rodriguez finds the back of the net. That was the game winner, D.C. United beat L.A. 2-1. EPL today, Manchester United opening their season at home to Chelsea and their new manager, Frank Lampard. A debut Lampard will want to forget. Already 1-0 United, Anthony Martial with the volley in the box. 2-0, Man United in front. And just moments after celebrating that goal, Marcus Rashford gets behind the Blues' back line and Rashford Finishes beautifully his second of the day. 3-0 United. And then for some icing on the cake, 
21-year-old Welshman Daniel James making his United debut gets his first EPL goal. United serving notice they plan to be in the thick of things this year as they thump Chelsea 4-0 the final today. And Arsenal at Newcastle as well. Just one goal in this match just before the hour mark. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang giving Arsenal the full three points on the road. 1-0 the final for the Gunners as the EPL season has its first weekend. Final round of the Northern Trust, first of three playoff tournaments for the FedEx Cup. 54-hole leader Patrick Reed playing the 14th. This birdie from eight feet, and that gives him the lead by one. And at 16, second shot on the short par four to within three feet. Gotta have a short game if you're going to win these tournaments. Made that for birdie, a two-shot lead for Reed, who's really actually had a Tough year by his standards. Mexico's Abraham Answer at the 17th, playing in the final group with Reed. Makes the birdie to get within one, so it comes down to 18. Answer made a par. Reed needs this for the win, and he knocks it in to take the Northern Trust, the first playoff tournament in the FedEx Cup. Two more to go with the win. Reed moves all the way up to number two in the FedEx Cup standings. Behind leader Brooks Kepka, Corey Connors, and Adam Hadwin will play next week at the BMW Championships in Chicago, but Merritt's Roger Sloan and Ontario's Mackenzie Hughes did not make it into the top 70, so their seasons are over. And we'll finish with the Blue Jays looking to take three of four from the AL East leading Yankees. A pitcher's duel. Yanks break a scoreless tie in the fifth. Brett Gardner with the ground rule double plates Gio Urshela to make it one nothing Yankees. And it stays that way into the eighth. Yankee closer Aroldis Chapman facing Vladdy Guerrero in what turned out to be an epic battle. Now watch Guerrero turn on this one and launch it off the facing of the fifth deck, but obviously a foul ball, but still impressive stuff. Vladdy ended up battling Chapman for 13 pitches, fouling off some 100-mile-per-hour fastballs. He's really locked in now after a tough first month in his big league career, but Chapman got the young star to ground and do a double play. Yanks take it 1-0. Guerrero Jr. who got a standing ovation and high fives for that incredible battle. These young Jays will be trouble very soon. They've got some really good young players, so I think the excitement is back in Toronto. That's great. It is. Good Love to see, to see that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, we're going to get to the puppies in just a second. But despite the rain today, Burnaby Swangard Stadium was host to a first-ever cultural fest today. Have a look. The inaugural Philippine Heritage Festival highlighted the music, food, and culture of the Philippines, one of BC's fastest-growing ethnic communities. There were a number of local, provincial, and federal politicians on hand for the event, including federal NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, who is also the member of parliament for the Burnaby Riding. Okay. It's a sad story with what we hope will be a very happy ending for many families and for these guys. 72 dogs and puppies were part of a large-scale seizure in Alberta. They were discovered last month at an alleged puppy mill in northeast Edmonton. The dogs are mostly Havanese and range from two weeks old to fully grown. Look at that face. The Edmonton Humane Society is caring for the dogs who will be placed in foster homes before being spayed or neutered. Then they will be put up for adoption. Oh, they're little fuzzballs. Look at those little guys. They will be gone? Yes, fast. And they stay like that forever? Forever. Just little? Just little. Just so- Not that little. 
Not that I made that mistake once, although it wasn't a mistake. I got a little puppy. I guess you're supposed to look at the paws, right? Yeah. Oh, he grew. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Quick look at, last look at the weather. Uh, Tomorrow morning we'll still see some cloud cover, even a slight chance for a shower, and then breaks for the afternoon, and then it's very pleasant this week. It's going to feel more summer-like. Warms up again. Uh, Areas away from the water could even see highs up to 26 and 27 degrees, so the blip in the forecast will be for tomorrow morning. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for joining us. Jordan's got your news at 11 o'clock tonight. Join him then. Take care.